Welcome to Signal God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Why wars? Why do we so many wars here in the last days, even as stated in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21? James 4, verse 1. From whence came wars and fightings among you? Came they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members? It's the flesh. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. But whosoever doeth the will of God shall abide forever. It's very plain spoken, very straightforward, that you cannot live in the world and make heaven. When we see the rich men, the rich man of the abundance of her delicacies that have sided with the false church, with the government that will rule the world. And we, the Christians, will be hated of all nations for his name's sake. Jesus warns of that in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 again. And everyone says, well, we've heard that all of our life. There will be kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, wars and rumors of wars. We've heard that all of our life. There'll be famine and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows or birth pangs for the church to bring forth Christ in them, the hope of glory. Why have wars? Why wars and rumors of war? Why famine, pestilences? Why are these noisome beasts in the land, God's foresword judgments? Well, it's knocking at our door for us to turn to God. In Hosea 6, verse 1 through 4, it tells us very plainly, Come and let us return to the Lord. Somebody said, we're already there. No, we're not. Not the true gospel. And we've taken these Nicene creeds and Chalcedonian definitions of these ecumenical councils and synods of centuries ago to be the absolute truth, which is a lie. Number one, the truth is progressive there in the body of Christ, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. In the seasons of God. Now in Leviticus 23, it gives us the types and shadows of things which are to come. And the feast of the Lord are Moed, or the Hebrew there, meaning God's divine appointments with man. How God will intervene in the, his three various seasons. Now in the Old Testament, in these three seasons of God, that season of Passover, in that season of Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, and the season of Tabernacles, that at this time, three times a year, that the men would go up to Jerusalem where the Lord had placed his name. The name is very significant. The name that is above every name there in the present truth is Jesus. We believed on that name of the Son of God, which is the Father revealed, Jehovah is salvation. G, Jehovah, Sus, is salvation. He is Yeshua. He is the Jesus. He is that great God, the everlasting God, manifest and revealed and tabernacled in the days of his flesh as a man. The man is God, not just as God, not just robed, God robed in flesh, but the man is God. But many have come against that truth, saying, well, God is not a man, and stop there. Well, God's not a man. He should lie. The son of man, he should repent. Tells you what kind of man he's not. 
Jesus stated that he is that man in John 3.13. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Jesus standing there before his disciples, stating he's in heaven. Why? Because he is the Father revealed. Somebody said, well, why does he pray to the Father? And that's where the revelation comes in, that Jesus, who is that spirit in the form of God, made himself of no reputation. That's his emptied out of glory and a self-imposed limitation upon himself. God himself, not the Son of God. God himself, the Father of glory, the Lord Jehovah Elohim, made himself of no reputation. That's a self-imposed limitation upon himself as spirit that he will not work his spirit, but added to him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man, found in fashion as a man. God fashioned as a man. Is the man God? Is that flesh and blood man God? Yes, that is God's tabernacle. That is God's revealing. That is God's revelation of himself. The revealed name of God is not Jehovah. The revealed name of God is not El Shaddai. The revealed name of God is Jesus. That's the blood name, the redemption name, the only name given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12. There's not another. We have to invoke that name. We have to call upon that name. And to do that is in baptism, born of the water, invoking the name of Jesus Christ. As Paul stated there in his testimony of what happened to him on the Damascus Road, in Acts 22, it couldn't be any clearer. Here's a man that has seen God, Paul, on the Damascus Road, and he's knocked down, Saul of Tarsus. When he's knocked down, but this great light blinds him at noonday to the point that he knows that that's not natural light, that that is God. He said, Who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Elohim, the self-existent eternal spirit of God? Who are you? And he said, Speaking in the Hebrew tongue, I am Yeshua, Jesus. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, to kick against the truth, which so many kick against the truth today, not realizing that we have been duped, lied to, by these ecumenical councils and synods from centuries ago. And those that are seeking God with a pure heart, diligently seeking Him, are coming to the truth. They're coming back to the true revelation of the Lord, which Paul warned that after his departure, grievous wolves should come in, not sparing the flock, speaking perverse things, even among you, among the church. And Jude said the same thing. These are men that were foreordained to condemnation, not just being uh, uh, there under conviction, under condemnation, condemned ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness, unlawful affections, denying the only Lord God. That's what we've done. We've denied. We've got some kind of a trinity, person, Godhead, that denies the true God and eternal life, Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, that made himself of no reputation and worked salvation in and of himself alone, coming under his own law as a man. Never literally in the days of his flesh, his spirit, that he is, Jesus Christ, the spirit of God, that created all things, 
be it thrones, principalities, powers, things visible and invisible, seen and unseen, Colossians 1, 16, 17, there manifest in a body of flesh, and that flesh and blood man is the servant of God that is the Lord himself. You'll see that in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. You'll see it in Isaiah 43, 10 through 15. That you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory. And my servant whom I have chosen. Now he had to be chosen. Before he was chosen and literally glorified, set at the right hand of God, this day have I begotten thee. And uh, which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son. He only said that to Jesus and to the Father. God saith unto him, to the Son, thy throne, O God. What happened? Well, in his glorification, he's chosen. He's chosen what? He's declared to be the Son of God. How? Through the Spirit, by the resurrection from the dead. Romans 1, verse 3 and 4. Jesus stated he would. Well, in John two nineteen, Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. Somebody that it's impossible. The Jews said, 40 and six years were they in building this temple. You're going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus spoke of the temple of his body. He raised his own body from the dead. Prove that in his resurrection that he is God. And when he is lifted up, you'll know Jesus said, I am the Father and the Father's in me. That is that God in the days of his flesh was Emmanuel, God with us. He is the eternal God Almighty revealed. For the first time, the revealed name of God Almighty in all 6,000 years since the uh, male and female was created by the Lord God in his image, created Adam, male and female created he them, that his revealed name, the the blood name of God, the redemption name of God, Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. That's the blood name. That's the only name that has blood in it. Jehovah doesn't. Elohim doesn't. There's only one name that has blood in it that is capable of washing away our sins, and that's the name of Jesus, Yeshua. That is the blood name. And just as it says in the book of Acts, when you preach this man's name, you do intend to bring his blood upon us. So don't preach anymore in that man's name because we feel the convicting power of that blood, which is in the New Testament given for us, for our salvation, for our redemption, and ultimate glorification. Well, whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Hmm. There, those that he predestinated, them he called. Now, there's many call, few chosen. Why? Because we have to continue in his word. If we continue in the word of God, then you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. And then after you're chosen, you have to make that calling and election sure. By doing that, Second Peter tells us you have to add to your faith virtue. Can't stop there. Add to your virtue knowledge. My people thirst for lack of knowledge. Can't stop there. Add to your knowledge their temperance. Those that strive for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. That's the things of faith. And then temperance add to temperance, patience. 
And after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience. So that patience have a perfect work. That tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. And experience worketh hope. My hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. But very few people understand tribulation and persecution that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. He states, we're troubled on every side, but not in distress. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about what? Bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? Why would we do that? That the life of our Lord Jesus would be manifest in our mortal bodies. For we which live, the body of Christ, are always delivered unto death. Not this prosperity gospel, money, houses, lands, cars, uh, big bank accounts, uh, increase with goods. No. There, what? We are delivered unto death. That the life of our Lord Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal bodies. And our light affliction, which is only but for a moment. What does it do? It works for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You want the glory of God? You've got to suffer with him. That's straightforward in 1 Peter 4, verse 1. For as much then Christ, who is God manifest in flesh, suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves with the same mind. Be you therefore likewise minded. That's the mind of Christ. And why? For he that is suffering in the flesh has ceased from sin. We want to cease from sin. Well, there's only one way to do it, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, killing the deeds of the flesh. Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. That's the reason for seals, trumpets, and judgments of God and the wrath of God poured out in the last days that all will know him from the least to the greatest. For the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Who will hear for the time to come? Why all these wars, rumors of wars, these are the beginning of sorrows, birth pains. These are signs that the body of Christ is going to bring forth the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ in them. That is, to the measure of the stature of Jesus in a perfect man unto perfection. Now, we have been there for over 2,000 years, two days. Just as it states there in the day of Pentecost when it was fully come, they were one mind and one accord. That's the second season. And suddenly there came a sound of the rush of mighty wind. Cloven tongues of fire appeared. Sat on each one of them, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Began to speak with their tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They had the true Holy Ghost. They believed in one God, that Jesus is that God manifested in the flesh. There's not another. Well, Paul told us how. That Jesus, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, made himself of no reputation. He wasn't made equal. He is equal. God, in every attribute God is, Jesus is. Revealed every attribute of God, grace and truth came by him. Jesus Christ, manifest in flesh. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ that should come. God himself, born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory, manifest. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How sayest thou then, Philip, show us the Father? Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me. Philip didn't understand that. In John 14, he said, show us the Father. Lord, show us the Father. And that suffices us. That'll be sufficient. 
And Jesus stated, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. John 8, 24, ask, Where is your Father? From the Pharisees, asking Jesus. Jesus stated, Except you believe that I am he, the Father of glory, you shall die in your sins. John 8, 24, take a look at it. This is what God is restoring, the faith that was once delivered to the saints, as stated in Jude that they have denied the only Lord God, but earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, the ones that were sanctified. Peter said these are damnable heresies that have come in. Not just heresies that doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. They're damnable heresies. They are seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that those that do that will receive to themselves swift destruction. Read it, Second Peter Second chapter, verse 1 through 4, you can see it right there. And we don't pay any attention to it, thinking we go to church and we shout and we gather for corn and wine, shouting in the Holy Ghost in the Spirit of God, and we praise and wonderful. But none considering the work of God. What work? We call for the work of the ministry. Very few understand that work they're called for. Ephesians 4.11, God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. Most say you can't be perfected. Overthrowing the true leading of the Holy Ghost and the blood power of the Spirit of God works in you unto perfection. Denying it. Saying, no, it's impossible. As long as you're in the flesh, you can never be perfected. Well, we're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If we walk in that Spirit, then the law of the Spirit of light, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's up to us. Whosoever will yield our members of service, obey him of the servants to whom we obey, whether of sin unto death, even though we have the Spirit of God, still carnal mindedness, not obeying the leading of the Holy Ghost called iniquity, still yields death. Or of obedience under righteousness. Here's another lie. Well, if you're obeying the leading of the Holy Ghost, that's the works. And the works, no man will be saved. Well, faith without works is dead being alone, and you, faith alone, can't save you. It's the faith that comes there manifest by your works. If you have faith, you'll that show me your works. James states that. Well, where's all these wars? Because of the lust of the flesh. And it states that. You, why are these wars? Why do they come among you? And it says... Uh, even of your lust that you wore in your members. You're following the leading of the flesh, world leaders, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's the reason why that we are supposed to pray for those in authority, as we see in Romans 13. These are servants of God, and pray for those in authority, that it may be well with you, and it is incumbent upon us to pray for those in authority. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, the true glory of God, the four faces of Jesus, lion, man, ox, and eagle, as revealed in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's that cherubim, capital C, which there in Genesis 3.24 is a Christophany. Jesus himself, the Lord God Almighty, Set at the east end of the Garden of God, cherubim, capital C, 
along with a flaming sword turning every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. Jesus is the way of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Well, it was made provision right there as the seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15. Then Jesus came, just as he said he would. And when he was born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, he was to grow up to take away the sin of the world. This is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Well, he came under his own law. But the law separated his spirit that he is and always has been from his body of flesh there for a time until God in the days of his flesh could fulfill his own law and then take the ordinances of it and nail it to his cross and breaking down the middle wall of partition that he did in and of himself alone. No man was able to do it. All that can sin and come short of the glory of God conceived in sin, shaped in iniquity. They all had to have a savior. So God made his own body of flesh and blood. He formed it of a seed of a woman. We see that in Isaiah 59, 16, Isaiah 63, 5. God looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Why? Because all had sinned, come short of the glory of God. Therefore, God's own arm, his own arm of flesh, brought salvation to himself. God worked salvation in him himself alone. For God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. Well, who's God? God is Christ. Christ is God. Christ is the Father. And that's the mystery of it. That's the mystery that's now being revealed to those that have an ear to hear. The ones that have enough obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, to obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. As long as they sit in their denominal churches and do nothing, then by simply doing nothing is a, a set of a mindset against the leading of the Holy Ghost. In other words, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. To sit back and hold your sword back from the blood is woe. Woe be to them that are at ease in Zion. You're thinking, well, I'll just believe in the Panout doctrine. We hear what Brother Beard's saying, a few of the other uh, ministers of God coming into one, one mind, one accord. But no, oh, Lord will take care of me. I'm all right. Well, if you don't move, you won't be all right. You have to walk in the light as he's in the light. And if you do, you have fellowship one with another, blood flow. And then and only then does the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all sin. We have to walk in that light in obedience to the word of God, which is the blood flow. The blood of Jesus is in the New Testament given for you. So by in obedience to these uh, scriptures, these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us, that we are made partakers of his divine nature. It's progressive, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And we see that very pointedly, spoken by Paul in 2 Corinthians 3. The Lord is that spirit. Well, very few understand that. They say, no, the Lord is that spirit junior. He's the second person of the Godhead. So what does God do? God showed forth his glory in the face of Jesus, in the face of Jesus Christ. The Messiah himself, he showed his glory there in the face of Jesus. He had four faces. We see that in that cherubim, which are not angels. It's a theophany or a Christophany there in Genesis 3.24. There is a lion, man, ox, and eagle. Four faces of Jesus, along with a flaming sword, which is the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, right, and dividing the soul from the spirit. And we see that in the gospel according to Matthew, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
we see in Mark that he is the perfect man. And because a man is perfect, we don't care about his genealogy. We don't see one in the gospel according to John Mark. Then we go to Luke, the beloved physician, and he is declared as the suffering servant. The ox is another phase. And then, of course, John. And John declares the celestial, that is, the flying eagle. Three, three terrestrial, one celestial. They're in the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four faces of Jesus, and we have it there declared to us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then we come to that second season. First season, that season of unleavened bread. Second season, that feast of weeks. And we offer wave sheaves with leaven. And of course, that is Pentecost, seven weeks after first fruits and on the morrow, which is 50. Or Pentecost, 50 days after first fruits. And then we have the second season. We've been in the second season for two days or 2,000 years. That's receiving the Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us into all truth and obedience unto righteousness unto holiness. Romans 6. But now, the Lord has now placed us into that third season. And in imperative that that's the third season, that in that season of tabernacles, that every man was compelled, compulsory, to come to the place where the Lord had placed his name. You might miss the first season or the second season, the Feast of Passover or the Feast of Pentecost. But you had to be there present at the Feast of Tabernacles. And so it is today. We must be present and accounted for growing up in a Jesus and all things and all truth in this season of Tabernacles in the third day. And that is where we are now, which is in the third day I'll raise you up and you'll live in my sight. There we see that's when that which is perfect has come, that is charity, that you've added to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, the godlike, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, you come to the final epoch, the final stage of full perfection of the perfect man to the measure of the statue of Jesus, charity. Charity is not love. That is another misnomer. Charity is doing the will of God by the leading of the Holy Ghost, unto the perfect will and purpose of God in each individual member in the body of Christ in, the, in their life. That's charity. Charity is a bond or guarantee of perfection, of perfectness. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. Why? Because it's doing the will of God. And though a person there may mess up and trip every once in a while, and there's none that hasn't, but the Holy Ghost, because there's pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, all in righteousness is sin. There's a sin unto death, a sin not unto death. Then God will take out a chastening rod that he will use that we will not be condemned with the world. He'll keep us between the ditches on the way, the truth and the life in that highway of holiness. If we diligently seek the Lord our God. And those that have that leading of the Holy Ghost, the true Spirit of God, know that God is preparing His body, fitly framing it together now. And He will compact it. He will seal it. 
according to the measure of each part, the measure of faith given to each one, and it will stand up a great army, and they will proclaim the truth of whichever joint supplies the dead, if I give itself in love, this gospel of the kingdom may be preached to all the world for witness to all nations. God is sealing that members of the body of Christ now in their forehead that are serving servants of righteousness unto holiness. They understand that their works do follow them. They understand that faith requires that, that you can't just stand in faith alone. You have to add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brother of kindness, brother of kindness, charity. You have to come to the measure of the statue of Jesus. If these things are in you and abound in you, they will make you where you're not barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter tells us that in 2 Peter 1. And then there's no chance of failing. That's the only guarantee that we have coming into perfection in this lifetime before the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's coming back for a church without spot, without blemish. We need to hear from you. Now I'm going compiling. There we have over a thousand pastors throughout Africa and India, not counting Pakistan, Philippines, New Zealand, Australia. Uh, there we haven't heard from there that many, even though we have the bulk of our downloads in, this, in these podcasts have been in America. You have sat back in your denominational churches and did nothing. You're listening. Some of you know the truth, but you haven't called. You haven't joined up in this move of God. If you believe it, then we need to hear from you. If you don't believe it, fine. We don't want anyone to call or yoke up with us that does not have the leading of the Holy Ghost in the truth. If you see it differently, then we do not want you to call. But if you do, and the Lord is dealing with you, then by all means, I don't procrastinate. We need to hear from you. Right now, we have over a thousand pastors, and I'm having them make a little short video there, just a 30-second or a minute video. Then I'll put these ministers, let you hear from them of what is happening in Africa and India now. Not counting Pakistan, not counting New Zealand, Australia, etc. There's a great, great move there right now that they're coming out of Trinity, false doctrine, seducing spirits, laying that mystery of Babylon aside and coming out of that unclean thing and coming into the true God and eternal life, Jesus Christ, in a Jesus-only doctrine, the blessed and only potentate, that is the Almighty who only hath their mortality, their dwelling of the light, which no other man can approach into, nor see, nor can see, doing the will of God in the leading of the Holy Ghost. It's imperative we hear from you. I'll be pricing this out here after the 1st of April, and you'll hear from some of the ministers themselves and their cry to have a training center bring the gospel to them. They're coming out of the nominal, uh, not even uh, just repentance, but coming into the full knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're being born of the water and spirit as newborn babes, then going to little children, knowing that he is the father. That's where they are now. They know that Jesus is the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, the father of glory. Those are little children. They've grown from newborn babies that were unskillful in unrighteousness. Unskillful in righteousness, I should have said. There, they're dwelling and have 
many of the Trinity have pleasure in unrighteousness, saying there's a three person in the Godhead. And this annulling the true God and eternal life, Jesus Christ, and he is the Father revealed. But God's restoring that faith that was once delivered to the saints, according as Jude stated, the earnest to contend for the faith, the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And when Jesus comes, he said, so when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Shall he find this patience? Shall he find that true faith? What is that? Well, we see that they know there's a time there's going to be great peril against the body of Christ. They're going to be delivered up to, uh, before kings and magistrates. They'll take no thought what they shall say or speak, for the Holy Ghost will speak through them. They'll have Christ speaking through them. They've come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. They will seal their testimony with their own blood, and some will be put to death. And the blood of the saints and the prophets will be found in that false church. And they'll do this unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. Jesus stated that in John 16. I forewarned you that you not, should not be offended. The time will come to deliver you up out of their synagogues, out of their churches. The time coming that whosoever kills you will think that he did God a service. Why? Total mistaken identity thought they were right and they were wrong. They believed these ecumenical councils and lies of these synods from centuries ago that there's three persons in a God in, which is a total blatant lie. And because they have believed that, because they have not known the Father nor me, Jesus said. For they've known Jesus, they've known me, they've known the Father, that he is the Father revealed. There's only one there. Jesus is that Holy One, not a Holy Trinity. Then, because they do not have that revelation, they will kill you, thinking that they did God a service. Why? Because the wars and the lust of the members of the flesh because they do not live according to the Spirit of God, it's called iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness, not obeying the leading of the Spirit of God. My people which are called by my name, called by the name of Jesus, but taken on the name of Jesus in baptism, or as many as have been baptized into Christ, they put on Christ. Ones that are called by my name shall humble themselves as, and, and pray and seek my face. Seek the face of God, Second Chronicles 7.14. Seek his face, that's perfection. Going to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, seeking his face, that we, there as in 2 Corinthians 3, listen to what he says. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, that's good. Jesus has the revelation and showing us the revealed God in the days of his flesh, and now has given us that same spirit. Yes, he has given to us, the church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called out ones. So God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. There's your key. And what is the message? The Lord is that spirit, not a spirit man, not a dual-natured God-man. That's a lie. And those that are seeking the truth, God's leading them into that pure revelation of Jesus Christ that he is that God revealed, the Father of glory. And there's not another. The Son of God is the Father revealed. The Lord is that Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17, there's the bottom line. All the judgments of God are to reveal one thing, that Jesus is the God of glory, that he is the Father, he is the Word, he is the Holy Ghost. 
And this is sealed up among God's treasures to be revealed in the last days. Deuteronomy 32 states that. Is this not sealed up among my treasures? Where are the treasures? We have this treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 3, through the body of Christ. What does it reveal? Well, God says, is this not sealed up among my treasures? For the Lord will judge his people. Judgment must first begin at the house of God. And where shall the end of the sin of the ungodly appear? And the righteous scarcely be saved. Well, he said the Lord will judge his people and repent himself of the evil when he sees their powers gone, not Holy Ghost power, their power coming into their flesh, and there's none shut up or left. What will it reveal? That Jesus said, I'm God and there's not another. I am the only true God and there's not another. There's none beside me. There's no son up here that's beside me. There's none beside me. I know not any. There's no other God. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. I, the Lord, do all these things. Shall there be evil and sin? I, the Lord, God, has not done it. And the whole book of Ezekiel is when the Lord's judgment fall upon him, the apocalyptic judgments, that you shall know that I am the Lord God, and you shall know that I am God, and you shall know, and you shall know. The knowledge will be revealed that he alone is God and there's not another. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Well, all will know him, not them, him, from the least to the greatest. Well, what about these so-called ministers that have gone to heaven and had a vision of heaven with these three persons? Well, they're obviously of their father, the devil. <laughs> it's very simple. There's no separate father from the son, from the Holy Ghost. What a joke. And that is the revelation, which is essential for salvation, that must we must all come to, that the Lord is that spirit. With the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Stand therefore in the liberty of and Christ has made you free, but not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And what does it reveal? We're seeing through a glass darkly now. We're just saying that we have a knowledge in part. No. We're seeing through a glass darkly. And that was Pentecost. But now, we all with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord, full glory, are changed into the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What are we saying? It's the last of the last days. God expects us to come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, and those that do not will not be sealed in the apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7 with the mind of Christ, sealing the servants of our God in their forehead. Without that seal, we will not be able to stand. Need to hear from you. God's dealing with you? Email me. Let's get together. Let's work together. And uh, as the Lord Jesus said, uh, I'm placing this out according to your word and what you have spoken for us in this ministry to do to invite those that have the like leading of the Holy Ghost to join us. If God's dealing with you, then please move. Move into them that are at ease in Zion. Make a move. Follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. God leading you. He's guiding you. Then do it. Obey. Now, if he's not, don't. But if he is, then do not delay. Email me at sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. I will immediately contact you and we will meet and work together. It's just that simple. God is preparing his people now and fitly framing the body of Christ together. That's what he's doing now. 
preparing us for this last day, move of God into the work of the ministry. It is at the door. Or you can write to me. That's DBM Dennis Beard Ministries, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Visit our websites, dennisbeard.org, seven books there for your edification, ebooks that you can purchase online, help us with the gospel. But you that are called for it, you need to work with us, you need to work with me, I need to work with you. Our ministers here are sold out and we are taking it to the nation. I need you and we need each other for this body of Christ to come together. DennisBeard.org, SealingGodsPeople.org, SealingGodsPeople.com, JCIC.tv, where we're praying for every and each one in the body of Christ. For God to perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.